0: Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never should have. Never should Never should
1: Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Efrin Jr., and today we pulled Indian Summer. Five, four, three, two,
0: two one. It's the!
1: Hi, everybody. I'm on my own today. Haven't our guests been great? So far, we've had Shay, David, my friend Matthew. We have plenty more coming in the next couple of months. And if you want to be a guest on Never Shut Up, whether you have been in the past or not, LMK, because there's not much time left where I make the decisions. Soon, Rose will make all those decisions. And then you're going to have to, you're going to have to appeal to her kindness, her groundedness, her centering. Good morning. Hi. I'm thrilled to be doing this show today because I have a lot to say. We pulled Indian Summer and I was looking for this old quote, which I found from back in the day, from 2001. And this was in a magazine called British Airways High Life. You know, the popular British Airways High Life magazine. You don't have a subscription? I get a new issue every week and I dug out my November 2001 copy just kidding it was on the dent and she said about this song which maybe isn't this song but she said and sometimes when I'm with my husband or when I'm with myself I feel the greatest passion is feeling myself feeling that I can open up like the earth would open up it's a kind of birthing with myself it's tapping into the vortex and you don't need another person for that I've been writing a song about that called fresh mown grass about how women are really able to access that through kundalini and have a complete orgasm just because we are women and we can align ourselves. Now, did fresh mown grass is Indian summer fresh mown grass, or did she pull that line? Or you never know. Maybe I was looking at the lyrics for the song. Girls, take your hands like you pray over the ground, then back on your body. Girls, take your hands like you pray through the blades of grass, gently, gently, gently. There is another way, yes, another way to pray. So obviously, maybe, maybe she's saying that if we all diddled with ourselves more regularly, you know, in the Senate, in the House, if they all diddled with themselves a little bit more regularly, then maybe they could bring about peace. (coughs) The women, the men diddle with themselves too much. Did you see about that new speaker of the house who was like, anything, he said, anything that is sex outside of a marriage of one man and one woman is sinful. (laughs) He's like the prototype for our abnormally attracted to sin tour bumper whenever we're in the live section. And when you see somebody that is attractive to you, you're sinning. You're just (laughs) sinning. That's sinning. Anyway, he said anything outside of the marriage of one man and one woman was sinful sex, and then he is being accused of A, sexual abuse, and of course, gay sexual abuse. Allegedly, allegedly. I just get my news from TikTok, so that's what I know. But anyway, okay, I just finished this book. So thinking about Indian Summer, let me get back there. Thinking about Indian Summer, I just finished this book yesterday called Chatter by Ethan Cross, and it's about a it's about <laughs> managing the voices in your head and the negative self-talk and like all of the chatter going on in your brain. And it's based in science. It's be, you know she's a scientist. It's based in a lot of different studies. And I found this book really meaningful. At first, I was a little resistant to it. It has been in my library for quite some time, and I've never read it. And then finally, I sat down because I was like, okay, you know what? Let's give Ethan Cross a chance. Give Eth a chance. Maybe he's got something to say. So I read this book and it was fantastic. It really um, taught me a lot. And let me tell you what I've learned. I'm going to tell you everything that I've learned. And God, I wish I'd had this book two years ago. I wish I'd read this book either during my breakdown or prior to because, oh man, I had therapy yesterday, Tuesday, and I said to my therapist, like, I had already finished the book and I said to my therapist, like I realize what I did wrong, like my culpability and everything, not just in the events that happened between me and this person, wherein we changed the dynamic of our relationship and it sent me into a spiral, just careening downward, really. So I said to my therapist, like what I realized happened is the co-rumination. There's this phrase called co-rumination, which I had only heard of like two days ago in this book. But co-rumination is when you, and maybe everybody knows this. How embarrassing! But it's when you repeat what happened or like the negative event with someone else. We are want to do that. It's our tendency to do that because we seek empathy, we seek perspective, and we seek people that understand what we're going through. It's like a human need to validate with each other. So you tell someone the story about something bad that happened, but then you're reliving it. You're constantly reliving it. And that co-rumination can actually make you feel worse because you relive the story but there's nowhere to put these like negative emotions and the person often doesn't you know the person wants you to relive it in detail because they want to help you emotionally validate yourself they really want to empathize with you so they so you are reliving it in detail again and again and it just puts you constantly in this negative place which is exactly what I did as I was reading about this concept And Ethan Cross said, like, this can actually make you feel worse. I'm like, "That you're fucking right, Ethan. Where the fuck were you two years ago? Why didn't you tell me? You're fucking right. It can make you feel worse. So when Tori says there is another way to pray, perhaps she's talking about masturbation. But today we're talking about another way to handle the voices in your head. There's another way to have faith, to move past something. So he developed this book, Chatter, which gives you... Many, many tools for how to deal with the chatter in your brain. And I'm grateful here to read you an excerpt from this book by Ethan Cross because it was published in 2021. So it's a a fairly new book. But he lists the tools that he spends the book talking about. The book is really great. You should read it. But he lists the tools at the end just kind of like summarizes what the whole book is about and he divides it into three categories tools that you can implement on your own tools that leverage your relationships with he divides it into four categories my bad tools that you can implement on your own tools that leverage your relationships with others tools for receiving chatter support and tools that involve the environment and I'm going to read you these tools because I found them to be remarkably helpful like had Anyone like you're not supposed to use all the tools, or you're not expected to use all the tools. You've got to find like the right combination of things that work for you and relieve your chatter, because the chatter can fall into an echo chamber, just like co-rumination. Just like if you're telling one or two or three people what's going on in your life, like the negative experience, and it's just like coming up and coming up in visceral detail, it makes you feel worse. So you're supposed to find the right formula for yourself but the tools that you can implement on your own the ability to step back from the echo chamber of your own mind so we can adopt a broader calmer and more objective perspective is an important tool for combating chatter many of the techniques reviewed in the section help people do this although some like performing rituals and embracing superstitions work via other pathways so these are your tools that you can implement on your own use distanced self-talk that's number one one way to create distance when you're experiencing chatter involves language when you're trying to work through a difficult experience use your name and the second person you to refer to yourself. Doing so is linked with less activation in brain networks associated with rumination and leads to improved performance under stress, wiser thinking, and less negative emotion. So like if you use your name, Ephraim, what are you doing? Ephraim, take a step back. You need to examine the bigger picture. That kind of just activates you into that arena. Two, imagine advising a friend. Another way to think about your experience from a distance perspective is to imagine what you would say to a friend experiencing the same problem as you. Think about the advice you'd give that person and then apply it to yourself. This comes from a study where they asked people like to imagine their partner cheating on them and they measured the like, brain waves and like things that they would say. And then imagine your close friend's partner cheating on them, what would you say? And it changed. The brain chemistry changed, the things that they would say changed. So if you imagine advising your friend, that is a tool for relieving your brain chatter. Three, broaden your perspective. Chatter involves narrowly focusing on the problems that we are experiencing. A natural antidote to this involves broadening our perspective. To do this, think about how the experience you're worrying about compares with other adverse events that you or others have endured, how it fits into the broader scheme of your life and the world, and how other people you admire would respond in the same situation. Number four, reframe your experience as a challenge. A theme of this Book is that you possess the ability to change the way you think about your experiences. Chatter is often triggered when we interpret a situation as a threat we can't manage. To aid your inner voice, reinterpret the situation as a challenge that you can handle. For example, by reminding yourself of how you've succeeded in similar situations in the past or by using distanced self-talk. There is another way to pray. There is another way. You don't have to live like this. <laughs> um, number five, reinterpret your body's chatter response. The bodily symptoms of stress for example, an upset stomach before, say, a date or a presentation, are often themselves stressful. For instance, chatter causes your stomach to grumble, which perpetuates your chatter, which leads your stomach to continue to grumble. When this happens, remind yourself that your bodily response to stress is an adaptive evolutionary reaction that improves performance under the high stress conditions. In other words, tell yourself that your sudden rapid breathing, pounding heartbeat, and sweaty palms are there not to sabotage you, but to help you respond to the challenge. Number six, normalize your experience. Knowing that you are not alone in your experience can be a potent way of quelling chatter. There's a linguistic tool for helping people do this, using the word you to refer to people in general when you think and talk about negative experiences. Doing so helps people reflect on their experiences from a healthy distance and makes it clear that what happened is not unique to them, but characteristic of human experience in general. So for example, like that's different from the first one where it says to use you when referencing your problems. When you use you to reference your problems, it's like, Ephraim, what are you doing? You need to take a step back. You need to look at this. But then this one, normalizing your experience, is using the second person, which is, when you accidentally fall into the boudoir with a friend that you never expected to, what should you do? When you accidentally have changed the dynamic of your friendship, what should you do? And that's sort of normalizing the experience because it takes it away from the personal. So number seven, engage in mental time travel. Another way to gain distance and broaden your perspective is to think about how you will feel a month, a year, or even longer from now. Remind yourself that you'll look back on whatever is upsetting you in the future, and it'll seem much less upsetting Doing so highlights the impermanence of your current emotional state. I really wish I'd had that tool back then because if I had that tool, if I had tried to engage my mental time travel in 2021 and projected myself into 2023, that friendship might still be alive. I might have seen the bigger picture like that's a tool that will help me I really wish I'd had that tool number eight change the view as you think about a negative experience visualize the event in your mind from the perspective of a fly on the wall peering down on the scene try to understand why your distant self is feeling the way that it is adopting this perspective leads people to focus less on the emotional features of their experience and more on reinterpreting the event in ways that promote insight and closure you can also gain distance through visual imagery by imagining moving away from the upsetting scene in your mind's eye like a camera panning out until the scene shrinks to the size of a postage stamp. So like just pulling out, panning out and seeing yourself from like the fly on the wall or seeing the scene from a bigger perspective. Number nine, write expressively. Write about your deepest thoughts and feelings surrounding your negative experience for 15 to 20 minutes a day for one to three consecutive days. Really let yourself go as you jot down your stream of thoughts. Don't worry about grammar. Don't worry about spelling. Focusing on your experience from the perspective of a narrator provides you with distance from that experience, which helps you make sense of what you felt in ways that improve how you will feel over time. Very important tool. Number 10, adopt the perspective of a neutral third party. If you find yourself experiencing chatter over a negative interaction that you've had with another person or group of people, assume the perspective of a neutral third party observer who is motivated to find the best outcome for all parties involved. Doing so reduces negative emotions, quiets an agitated inner voice, and enhances the quality of the relationships we share with the people that we've had negative interactions with, including our romantic partners. 11, clutch a lucky charm or embrace a superstition. Simply believing that an object or a superstitious behavior will help relieve your chatter often has precisely that effect by harnessing the brain's power of expectation. Importantly, you don't have to believe in supernatural forces to benefit from these actions. Simply understanding how they harness the power of the brain to heal is sufficient. That's like keeping a lucky charm or always having your root chakra stone in your pocket, you know, crystals around your neck, whatever lucky charm or superstition that you have just believing it will work will often relieve the chatter 12 performing a ritual performing a ritual a fixed sequence of behaviors that is infused with meaning provides people with a sense of order and control that can be helpful when they're experiencing chatter although many of the rituals we engage in for example silent prayer or meditation are passed down to us from our families and cultures performing rituals that you create can likewise be effective for quieting chatter so it's important to me I feel my best when i'm doing my habit tracker when i'm monitoring in like on paper in colored marker i've had the habit tracker app it just never it just didn't work for me it was more facetime with my phone it was more me staring into a screen it meant really nothing but this colorful marker ritual that i developed is the only time where it helps me create like a physical or like a daily order i guess like a schedule order so it kind of does relieve that chatter so i endorse that I'm talking about this because there is another way, and that just really resonated with me in this song today, is that he provides, Ethan Cross has sort of like summarized so many tools, and it's like, it's like when you're playing Yahtzee, you know, and you got five die, and you toss them, and you're like, okay, today I will write about it for 15 to 20 minutes while clutching my lucky charm. It's like you find the right formula for yourself. And There is an element to the song about looking for other ways to exist, right? Looking for other ways to bring the peace, to bring a unity, at least globally. She says, Mr. Bush, can you light the sage? Which makes me think that we are in the worst time of our lives. (laughs) We are in the worst time for this country since I've been alive. I, I hate it here. What if I expatriate to Germany? Does anybody mind if I do that? What if I move to Germany? I've been really, I've been looking into it. I just want to get out. I'm trying to get out of here. Okay, there's more tools, and I'm gonna continue to read this excerpt from Ethan Cross's book. There's a couple more, there's like two more pages, so bear with me. There's tools that involve other people or leverage your relationships with other people, and how you, as another, can provide support for someone. Chatter support. So one, address people's emotional and cognitive needs. When people come to others for help with their chatter, they generally have two needs that they're trying to fill. One, they're searching for care and support. And then two, they're looking for concrete advice about how to move forward and gain closure so emotional and cognitive. Addressing both of these needs is vital to your ability to calm another person's chatter. Concretely, this involves not only empathically validating what they're going through, but also broadening their perspective, providing hope and normalizing their experience. This can be done in person or via text, social media, other things but addressing both of those things is important. Number two, you can provide invisible support. Offering advice about how to reduce chatter can backfire when people don't ask for help. In the book, Ethan gives this like example where he tried to help his daughter with her math homework and she flipped out because she never asked for help and she can do it and she took it really negatively, but she was like five, but still. It's like a basic human thing. It threatens people's sense of self-efficacy and autonomy, but that doesn't mean that there still aren't ways of helping people when they experience chatter and they don't ask for assistance. In such situations, providing support invisibly without people being aware that you're helping them is useful. There are many ways to do this. One approach involves covertly providing practical support, like cleaning up the house without being asked. Another approach involves helping broaden people's perspectives indirectly by, for example, talking in general terms about others who have dealt with similar experiences or by soliciting advice from someone else but without signaling that the questions are meant to help the person in need. For example, if my colleague was struggling to connect with their graduate student and we found ourselves at a function with other advisors, I might casually ask a group whether they've experienced trouble connecting with their students and if so, how they manage the situation. So that's providing invisible support. Three. For your kids, tell them to pretend they're a superhero. This strategy popularized in the media as the Batman Effect is a distancing strategy that is particularly useful for children grappling with intense emotions. Ask them to pretend they're a superhero or a cartoon character they admire and then nudge them to refer to themselves using that character's name when they're confronting a difficult situation because this helps them distance. My high school best friend's daughter used to do this And I see that my high school best friend was always 10 steps ahead of me. 20 because this was years ago. So she already knew this was an effective tool. So anyway, number four, touch affectionately but respectfully. Feeling the warm embrace of a person we love, whether that be holding someone's hand or sharing a hug, reminds us that on a conscious level that we have supportive people in our lives whom we can lean on. Of course, for affectionate touch to be effective, it has to be welcome. So consent always. Number five, be someone else's placebo. Other people can powerfully influence our beliefs, including our expectations about how effectively we can deal with chatter and how long it will last. You can utilize this interpersonal healing pathway by providing the people you're advising with an optimistic outlook that their conditions will improve, which changes their expectations for how their chatter will progress. And just to quickly go through these tools for receiving chatter support, you have to build a board of advisors, people that you trust in different areas of your life that you would go to for chatter support. You seek out physical contact. You can ask for a hug. You can ask for a squeeze. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that with people, physical touch with like a stuffed animal or security blanket or something, that can often help. Looking at a photo of a loved one can often help. Just look when you need the support. Looking at their picture can soothe your emotional distress. Performing a ritual with others can support you. Me and Maggie do yoga every day. I think that that's really helping me. And then also, I think back to right at the beginning of pandemic when me, Peter, Shaggy, Mary Kirk, and Maggie, and Joan, every Every week we watched RuPaul's drag race like clockwork at the exact same time on Saturday. We would zoom. Do like a Zoom watch party. This was at the very beginning of pandemic. Remember that? So performing a ritual with others can bring structure and provide a sense of support and self-transcendence that reduces feelings of loneliness. Also, it says to minimize your passive social media use that it can fall. And Ethan says voyeuristically scrolling through the curated news feeds of others on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms can trigger self-defeating, envy-inducing thought spirals. You're telling me, Ethan, there's another way. There is another way. There's another way to exist in this world. Instead, use social media to gain support. Reach out to your chatter support network. However, he says, be cautious. If you use this method to seek support, be cautious about impulsively sharing your negative thoughts because doing so runs the risk of oversharing things that you may later regret and they may upset others. Ways to leverage your environment, and these are the last three create order in your environment. When we experience chatter, we often feel as if we are losing control. Our thought spirals control us rather than the other way around. When this happens, you can boost your sense of control by imposing order on your surroundings. Organizing your environment can take many forms, tidying up your work or home space, making a list, arranging the different objects that surround you. Those are all common examples. Find your own way of organizing your space to help provide you with a sense of mental order. Number two, increase your exposure to green spaces. They did a study where there was this uh, section A housing establishment, this like large section eight housing establishment in Chicago, where some half of the building faced like a concrete wall or like an urban cityscape and the other half faced into the park area. And they studied the different people living in this housing establishment for emotional distress and like outlook on problems and things. And they found that the people looking onto the wall had a bleaker outlook, obviously, than the people looking into the park. They also did another study, which is really interesting, where they had a bunch of people in a room solving a uh, like a lot of like math problems I guess it was and then they instructed everybody to go on a half hour walk one group went half hour down like the street like the city street and the other went a half hour walk through the park and then they all came back and then the people who had gone through the park did better on the test in the second half And then they switched the people up the next day and it was the exact same results. So that was a cool study. So increasing your exposure to green spaces can have an effect on your emotional outlook. And also if you don't have access to green spaces, they found looking at videos of green spaces and listening to nature sounds has the same effect. So you can look at a picture on your computer. You can look at a video. And then finally the last tool that leverages your environment, seek out, awe-inspiring experiences. Feeling awe allows us to transcend our current concerns in ways that put our problems in perspective. Of course, the experiences that provide people with awe vary. For some, it is exposure to breathtaking vista. For someone else, it's the memory of a child accomplishing an amazing feat. For others, it may be staring at a remarkable piece of art. Find what instills a sense of awe within you and then seek to cultivate that emotion when you find your internal dialogue spiraling. You can also think about creating spaces around you that elicit feelings of awe each time you glance at them. So when I look at my wall, I have like a Tori Amos wall in my home and I look at Reggie Doherty's costume sketches of Tori in various points in her life and that provides me with a sense of awe. All of this art provides me with a sense of awe. So Ethan is saying keep something around you that provides you with a sense of like uh, awe. And it can lift your emotion, thereby reducing your chatter. So I don't know why this came out today, except for there is another way to pray. And that's how I'm interpreting that today. I'm so grateful for Ethan Cross and this book coming into my life and having it in my library for quite some time but not opening it until recently. Because I recently, just yesterday, stumbled into the person that triggered, not the person with whom... I experienced an event that triggered my big mental health crisis. I just bumped into that person for the first time. And we didn't say anything to each other, which was sad. But I was so grateful to be reading this book at that moment because I had already absorbed the idea of co-rumination and how that had maligned me and so that was on Monday night actually and I thought you know what I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna live in these negative emotions by telling everybody like guess who I just saw nope I just took it to my therapist the next morning related it to the book on chatter this chatter it's called chatter and felt much better about it felt okay I felt okay so it's like practically present in my life which is why it's practically present on this show so whether tori means the blades of grass are her you know the lawns of virginia if you know what i'm saying whether that's what her blades of grass are that's not what my blades of grass are today there is another way to pray you can look at other things you can use other tools to manage your internal dialogue so I wish I'd known that two years ago. I wish I'd had like a practical list of tools. I wonder if I would have followed it or if this was a necessary like cracking open of my psyche. But I wish I'd had it. But I have it now. And I do recommend reading Chatter by Ethan Cross. It's not, it's not a hard read. It's pretty simple and engaging. So anyway, I hope you have a wonderful day. And I'll be back tomorrow for Fuck Around Friday with a handsome, tall man. Goodbye. <laughs> Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoryamus.com.
0: Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.